returning back to work Monday morning. This is my regular scheduled day off. That's why it's possible for me to be out here this morning having a coffee with you. So what has been happening? With this pandemic, you know, we went from one of the worst years in our lives of 2020 with this pandemic. We go from 2020, 2021, and we just pick up where we left off. And here we are in Ontario, Canada, in a lockdown and a stay-at-home order. One year after the first coronavirus case, the COVID-19 pandemic rages on. Today, Monday, marks one year since the first case of the of the virus that causes COVID-19 was confirmed in Canada. In a patient who came to Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital after returning home from Wuhan, China. While many of the lessons learned from the early days of the novel coronavirus are being applied in the pandemic's second wave. Concerns remain about inadequate protections in long-term care and the disproportionate impact of the virus on people of color. Now here we are again in a long-term care facility in Barrie, Ontario, most will say 90% of that facility has come down with this virus. 
privately owned daycare or, or private daycare, sorry, privately owned nursing homes. You know, where's the protection? Where's the protection for the staff? Where is the protection for the patients? In the first wave of this pandemic in 2020, the infection rate throughout long-term care homes was at an epic level. Where it came to have the military to go in to take over. The Red Cross. And in the second wave, why is it still happening? We know it's a community spread virus. It comes from the outside into the inside. Of all businesses and places across the board. Among both long-term care residents and the general public, more people have now died of COVID-19 in Ontario than the, <clears throat> during the second wave than in the six months after the global pandemic was declared back in March of 2020. These are all preventable deaths. This is from a doctor, an assistant professor at the Western Ontario University here in London. And a physician in a physician. And here we are with the long term care crisis continues. The fact that we're this far along in the pandemic and we're still seeing the outbreaks and deaths in long term care homes. It's almost embarrassing that it, that it is still happening. I don't know what most people do for a living out there. I don't know what your jobs are. I don't know if you're going and visiting people in long-term care homes. What you do on your time off I don't know what you do. I don't know if you're one of those people that go out and go to these anti anti uh, rallies against these shutdowns. I don't know if you're one of these people that go and stand in long lineups at a Costco. Putting yourself at risk. I don't know what you do. I don't know who you are. I don't think that the, the province of Ontario is doing enough cracking down, you know, on these big box stores such as Costco's and Walmart's. Shedding all non-essential businesses 
and yet these big stores can sell all non-essential items. And as I look through the news, and I look at photos, and I see hundreds of people standing in line waiting to get into a Costco. Is that absolutely necessary? That is just absolutely ridiculous. And why do you do it? Do you do it for attention? Oh, look at me, I'm on the news. I'm standing here with, you know, 200 other people, lineups wrapped around the building and down the block. Cause I gotta go to a Costco. Gathering in large crowds when it's not permitted. And where's the stand that the big Costco's and the big Walmarts are taking? Where's the stand on that? They don't care. Now the government of Ontario needs to force them to shut off all areas that are non-essential. That's what needs to be happening. The stay at home orders mean stay at home. There's plenty of grocery stores out there that you can go in and out without big crowds. Get your, get your food and leave. Online ordering and go and pick it up. This infection disease specialist of Toronto University Health Network calls what's happened in Ontario's long-term care home last spring tragic. Oh, it's tragic. And the fact that it's still happening is tragic. What's more tragic is how it's unfolding in the second wave. Because there certainly could have been steps taken between wave and, and the other wave too, to significantly protect the most vulnerable population among us. That's a question that we need to be asking our government. And not just the most vulnerable people, you know, the people that, that go in there to work, frontline workers. They need the protective, the protective PPE. He goes on to say what we're seeing in long-term care facilities just demonstrates, unfortunately, years and years of neglect. It was awful to watch this unfold, but sadly, it was predictable. You know, we never saw this coming. 
and we should be looking at things that we don't see coming towards us. And making adjust, adjustments and putting protocols in place, and especially for a pandemic. When and if we get out of this, nobody knows. Even with the vaccines rolling out, how long will that give us protection? Nobody really knows. Uncertainties characterized early days. In the first two months of 2020, predictions varied about how Canada would be affected by the novel coronavirus first identified in China. Well, when was it identified in China? Could have been November, December of twenty of twenty twenty. And when it was identified, I think that's when we should have be taken ex extreme measures. Oh, just in case. The public health officials and the political leaders seem to to tilt more towards calming fears about COVID-19 and then, then sounding the alarm. Maybe we should start ringing the bells then. There were, there were repeated assurances that the risk in Ontario was low, that the general public should refrain from wearing masks well into March. Officials were saying that no evidence could be found of community spread. Interesting. By March, that's when we went into lockdown. Those uncertainties in the early part of the pandemic were real because we just didn't know. Although he acknowledged that the public health messaging adopted over time, that it didn't do so as fast as they would have liked. I guess that's the unknown. The system was slow to acknowledge that the virus was not just being imported by travelers returning from a handful of, of distant countries. He says, I think the pivot from this being a travel disease to this being an endemic disease was done relatively late. There's something to be said about understanding the evidence has changed and recognizing it quickly and making those changes quickly. There was no hope that this was not going to spread in Canada at that point. 
he thinks probably that it was the turning point to say, okay, there's a risk here to us. We need to start invoking public health measures. Ontario declared its state of emergency on March the 17th. And the federal government halted non-essential travel across the land border with the United States on March 20th, which is still in effect today. But we still need to do more. We need the help from the United States of banning travel into that country by air. The land borders are closed between the two countries, but the air travel is allowed to continue. If we want to get more effective, if we want to stop this in its tracks, then look at the mess that the United States is in with this COVID-19. They don't need to be traveling anywhere. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the other day, telling all Canadians to cancel their, their vacations. Because changes might be coming. They might be invoking the Canadian Emergency Act, which back in the day was the Wartime Act, to restrict Canadians from leaving the country, coming back into the country, and traveling all over the country. Now that's going to be to uh, remain to be seen if the government can actually um, um, invoke the uh, Canadian emergency order. That's going to take a lot of legal and the courts for that to happen. And the lack of testing hampered the, 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 uh, the, the uh, tracking of this virus. When as experts look back to the early months of 2020, there's a general consensus that Ontario's hospital sector mobilized quickly to face COVID-19, readying for potential surge of patients, even as, as supplies of personal protective equipment were tight. We kept up with the times. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. So this little recap here for you. This is, uh, yeah, hello. So a little recap for you. Let me just scroll back up here. This is, um, you know, one year after Canada's first um, coronavirus case. Um, you know, and now as this pandemic rages on, not just here in Canada, but around the world. And potentially, you know, the mistakes that we made along the way and with our long-term care homes, 
um, with all the outbreaks in those facilities privately run um, little update on that um, more people have died you know of COVID-19 in Ontario during the second wave than in the first six months of the global pandemic in long-term care homes and you think that stronger measures and, and more protective equipment and more training that to have more people who have died during the second wave in these facilities than in the first. And that the long-term care crisis continues here across Ontario and all of Canada. Now, you know, when I was looking at an article yesterday and um, this one particular long care, long care home in uh, Barrie, Ontario, Barrie, Ontario. They have an outbreak and it has affected 90% of that nursing home. And when I looked at the photo, it wasn't showing the nursing home. It was showing a Costco with hundreds of people lined up outside, down the street and around the corner waiting to get into a Costco. And we have a stay at home order here in Ontario, Canada. And yet these big box stores and these Walmarts are allowed to open because Costco, you know, they sell groceries. Walmarts now are selling groceries, but yet they can sell all their non-essential items as well. So people are going out in droves. What for? I have no idea. You know, maybe people like to like the uh, like the uh, getting uh, the attention and look at me. You know, I'm standing out here with 200 other people to get into a Costco. We have a limitation on a gathering of five people outdoors on the stay-at-home order here in Ontario. And yet these big box stores, they get away with this crap. And then you why this keeps spreading around and with this new variant of, the, of this, of this COVID-19. It's a community spread virus. So it has to get into, into long-term care homes and businesses and hospitals. It comes from the outside. It comes from the general public. It's appalling. It pisses me off when I see this. 
over the weekend in the city of Toronto. People out there in their in their uh, their anti anti uh, marches and their anti uh, gatherings of these lockdowns and these stay at home orders. Not social distancing, not wearing a mask. And you wonder why. To all my fellow Canadians here in Ontario, and you wonder why we're in a lockdown and a stay at stay at home order all at the same time. And not only that, oh, it's got to get out of hand too. You know, people have to assault police officers. People have to impede police officers. And the police are just going to find your ass. And rightfully so. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. I'm talking about, you know, uh, from the early onset of this pandemic here across Canada and specifically here in Ontario in our long-term care homes as this disease keeps getting in there and affecting our most vulnerable people. Barry, Ontario, in this long-term care home, 90% of it is now infected. Just give me one second here to get my coffee out of the way. Hello. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Yes. Are you here to talk to me? Hello. Hello. Can I be heard? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, I I, I just called in uh, to ask for a bit of advice, actually. Okay. Uh, so, what would the legal consequences be for uh, masturbating in the field? <laughs> Listen, people, I have a code of conduct on my show and that I expect respect from anybody listening or calling in because this show goes all over the world and people may be offended at what people say. So I will not talk to you if you're just going to be ignorant. So you respect my code of conduct of being respectful to people or don't bother coming on my show. Sorry about that interruption, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you want to call in and talk to me, and you want to talk about the subject, that's 
all in good. But I'm not going to tolerate people being disrespectful. My guests on my show, you come onto my show and, and you want to uh, you want to listen, and that's all in good. And you know that I'm not going to be sitting here cursing and swearing and being disrespectful. You know, this this is the type of show that I that I do. So now where did I leave off? I think we're talking about, I think I got down here to where it was, the lack of testing um, hampered by that, but I gotta scroll back here and that's okay. You know, you know when I'm talking about, you know, people um, disobeying the rules that has been imposed on us, you know, I get it, ladies and gentlemen, this is not easy. You know, this is not easy for anybody. When you're in a lockdown and you have stay-at-home orders combined with that, and not knowing how long this lockdown is going to continue and the stay-at-home orders are going to continue here in Ontario, Canada. Frustrating is mounting all over the country all over the world. But when it comes to, um, you know, these sort of things, it's not, it's not the first time that we've been in a lockdown. Last March, that's when, when the first lockdown came in and in the, um, uh, the emergency orders were invoked. And we managed, we managed to get through it. We were able to open up slowly and we got to open up. But here we are again, not just in these lockdowns and these stay at home orders, here we are again with these long-term care homes being ravaged by this virus. And this doctor talking about this, you know, when he's saying how it's more tragic that this is still unfolding in the second wave. What more steps do we need to take to protect the most vulnerable people? Just over the weekend, there was a teenager who worked as a cleaner in a long-term care home, not far from where I live here in the city of London. He died from COVID-19, a teenager. People out there who think, oh, I'm young, it's not going to affect me. If I get it, I'm going to survive, potentially. Others aren't so lucky. This young man 
lost his life due to COVID-19. Our federal government, our prime minister of Canada is looking to invoke the emergency, the Canadian emergency order, which was back in the day called the, the uh, War Act order, emergency. And that means that the, they'll be able to restrict travel, restrict Canadians from traveling anywhere in the country, prevent you from leaving the country or coming back into the country. Now, under the Constitution of Canada and the freedoms of rights, Canadians, all Canadians have the right to move about the country and leave the country and come back. But how can they invoke this order in the Constitution? It even mentions a pandemic. Now the government, the federal government is going to have to get all the legal advice they can and probably have a, a, a court order. it. At the end of the week, our prime minister, Justin Trudeau is telling all Canadians to cancel your vacation. That you might end up being stuck where you travel to and not, not being able to get back. And we're probably going to find out probably tomorrow or Wednesday whether the emergency act is going to be invoked. We have seen a downward trend in parts of, of Canada and here in Ontario, but it's not enough. It's not enough to start opening the economy again. Top healthcare professionals and people who deal with infections and disease are saying there's got to be well under a thousand. It would have to be somewhere something like maybe three percent of a hundred thousand in order to start reopening again. How long is that going to take? I have no idea. But that depends. That depends on the citizens of Canada. Of following the rules. Protecting yourself and protecting your loved ones. Not just in the long-term care home, but everybody. In this article, this doctor talks about there were repeated assurances that the risk in Ontario was low 
that the general public should refrain from wearing masks well into March. That was last year. Officials were saying that no evidence could be found of community spread. That was last year. Those uncertainties in the early part of the pandemic were real because we just didn't know. We didn't know enough. We didn't know enough about this, 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 this strain, this, this uh, COVID SARS-2, also known as COVID-19. Although he acknowledged that the public health messaging adopted over time, that it didn't do so as fast as they would have liked. Yeah, we made mistakes along the way. That's all in eyesight, right? The system was slow to acknowledge that the virus was not just being imported by travelers returning from a handful of distant countries. He said he thinks that the, at the pivot from this being a travel disease to being an, an um, endemic disease was done relatively late. It sure was. But we're just citizens of our countries and we, and we rely on our, on our top doctors in infection and disease. you know, to enact any public measures, any public orders they needed to do. Our lockdowns didn't start till last March. Lasted all the way, I think it was, uh, ooh, March, April, May, June, oh, almost four months. And here we are again, you know, some schools in, in, here in Ontario um, are able to return back to in-class learning, but Toronto, the Peel region, North York, all the way down to Niagara Falls here in Southern Ontario, where, where I reside, all schools are closed. You know, there's something to be said about understanding the evidence has changed and recognizing it quickly and making those changes quickly. After the first wave, you know, in 2019, in dealing with this spread throughout the, out the law of, of the long-term care homes, And now to hear that more people have died during the second wave in long-term care homes than they did in the first wave, why is that happening? Ontario declared its state of emergency on March the 17th, 
2020, and the federal government halted non-essential travel across the land, across the border with the United States. Last March, March the 20th is when we shut down the borders, the land borders between Canada and the United States, and it is still closed. But we still have international travel coming into this country. Why? And I ask myself, why do people need to, to keep traveling anyway? Why are you traveling during a pandemic? Flights coming in and out of Canada, people testing positive. Numbers skyrocketing. This is why the federal government needs to enact the emergency order. When that new variant first came out of this virus from the United Kingdom, Canada canceled all flights from the United Kingdom. And then eventually reopened it. Now we have stricter measures, not just for international travel, but for Canadians as well, who are coming back into the country. And that is that you have to, 72 hours prior to your flight back into Canada, you have to have a COVID-19 test done and it has to be negative before you even get on that flight. And then when you come back into Canada, you have to self-isolate for 14 days. The United States need to do the same thing. United States should just stop all air travel coming into the United States, period. When you deal with this pandemic. So whatever is coming down the pipe from the federal government here in Canada when it comes to travel. And the Prime Minister of Canada is telling you to cancel your trips. You best be doing that because if you get stuck abroad, that's your problem. They're also talking about when people come back here, Canadians come back here into Canada, that they self-isolate in a hotel paid by the government. for 14 days, but you still have to test negative before you even arrive, before you get on your flight. And you may run into problems looking for places that do the tests from wherever you are. Traveling at this time is unnecessary. We've had people from CEOs to government officials 
going on holidays over the Christmas holidays, when it was when we have a travel advisory in effect, it was in not to travel. It's not okay for them to do that. The CEO of one of the hospitals here in London, Ontario was fired. We had a nurse here in London, Ontario fired for all her, all her, her rhetoric BS. Going out on, on media sources and YouTube and, and spreading misinformation about COVID-19. She's a nurse for Christ's sake. Fired. Now she's going up to board before the Board of Ontario Nurses potentially to lose her license, and I hope she damn well does. I have, I have parents that live in a retirement home. And with this stay-at-home order for non-essential visits and, and doing whatever else, I haven't seen them for a month. So it really ticks me off when people just blatantly disregard the rules. Yeah, it does. It really ticks me off. They say that right now that with these lockdowns and these stay-at-home orders, we've seen cases coming down, but they're not coming down fast enough. I don't know how long that's going to take. I have no idea. I'm one of the fortunate ones because, you know, I drive transport. But I'm a city guy. And I'm fortunate that I have Mondays off. So I get a three-day weekend. But what do I do on my time off with these stay-at-home orders and these lockdowns? I go to the grocery store when I need to. I didn't need to this weekend, so I've been home all weekend. I've been at home out here talking to you, which I enjoy doing. But it would certainly be nice to be able to go out and do other activities, which is not happening. Can't even go visit my parents for a non-essential visit. If they call me and they need something, I can go pick it up for them and take it to them and then leave. I would have to drop it off at the front desk of the retirement home. And then leave and call them and say, yeah, it's downstairs. You can pick it up.
I'm happy when Tuesday comes because then I can go and do my job for four days of the week. Helps with my sanity. I feel sore for people who are not going to work right now. The people who are struggling. You know, they say here, the second wave shows signs of receding. The one year anniversary of this virus in Canada comes amid signs that the second wave is starting to recede. And I'll bet with all the warnings that new cases numbers will only continue to drop if public health restrictions stay in place. There's also the fear that the highly contagious variant of this coronavirus could either prolong the second wave or drive an even more widespread third wave before the bulk of the population gets vaccinated. The talk about vaccinations, well, holy cow, we're not getting anything right now. You know, I thank the scientists out there, I do. I thank for the hard work that they put in to even have, have this vaccine. When they were talking, it'd be years down the road before we even seen one. But in, a, in the middle of a pandemic, decide that they gotta to restructure one of their, their facilities in Belgium. And that Canada and other countries now have to halt their vaccine campaign. We have enough doses for the second dose, the people who are gonna get the second dose after that is done. Could be the middle of February when they're talking about getting the doses again. And as this pandemic rages on and this new variant is out there, not just from the United Kingdom, but from the African variant as well. Thousands of new infections are still being reported every day across Canada. And the average daily numbers of death is not expected to decrease for weeks. About 200,000 Canadians have contracted COVID-19 in the past month alone. The case fatality rates among different age suggest that hundreds of these people will die. And this doctor says it's hard for him to reconcile with the mistakes being made in the second wave. We can't get back these lives lost. Why it's so important, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, you know, my heart goes out to everybody. 
It really does. From the old to the young, and people who are struggling. I've asked so many times on my podcast that we all work together and that we all follow the rules and we help protect one another, your friends, your families, your co-workers, your neighbors, and yourselves. So we can get out of this. We don't need to see a third wave. We don't want 2021 to be like 2020. But we have picked up where we have left off. And only facing potentially more restrict on our travels. Provinces around Canada are asking people to stay in your own province. You don't need to go anyplace else. And they're telling you to cancel your trips. Don't be leaving the country because in the next few days what the government here in Canada is going to come up with. Maybe, like I said, you find yourself unable to get back. And I don't want to hear the crying and complaining that you got stranded somewhere because you were told not to travel in the first place. It's not my fault. It's not everybody else's fault. It would be your own damn fault. Government officials alike who decided they're going to go travel anyways. CEOs of big corporations. Oh, I'll just go travel anyways because I'm the big boss. I don't have to follow the rules. What a crock of shit that is. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, a little venting at the end there, but you know what? We're all frustrated with this. And I get more frustrated when I see people out there and these anti-gatherings and the anti-marches. Start being part of the solution and not part of the problem. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to me today. I want to get those thank yous out there to all of our essential workers, our frontline workers, our doctors and our nurses, our paramedics, our police, and our fire department. I thank you for the job that you do day in and day out. Thank you to my guests on my show, 
this morning. I appreciate that you coming out here and listening to my program. Thank you to all the people around the world that listen to my show and my followers. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me here on the Truckers Podcast. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a safe week and take care out there. Thank you.